This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning, my friends. Welcome along to The Garden Show and to the Insto, in, insto, in show studio. Uh, our own Charlie Dobbin is is with me. Hey, good morning. And good morning to you, Frankie. So nice to see you in real time through plexiglass as yeah. opposed to on a screen. Yeah. I'm, I just say that. I just want to make check. Okay, I want to make sure. I know I'm a little, for some reason, coming in and out too, but we, we can do sign language. Okay, good enough. Oh, by the way. <laughs> yes. Merry Christmas to you. What? Are Merry you Christmas to you. We've been oh, saving look. this box of chocolates. Chocolate almonds. Joan Loves yeah. made these for you. And I've been hanging on to them all the I can't way through. I believe you didn't eat them. All the, no. Uh, they've been in the kitchen, too, and I have been so good not to have done that. So I'm putting them over here for you. Thank you, sweetie. Oh, God. Oh, you know just what I need. Just, a little more sugar great. in my life. Yeah, matter of fact, she sends in a little question we'll get to in yes, a Yes, we will. Okay? All righty. So uh, you were telling me about uh, the place in uh, Prince Edward County really just burgeoning with all sorts of growth and all that? Well, we both have updates, I guess, in terms yeah. of the home front. But the, um, you know what? A little bit of rain makes all the difference. I mean, oh, here in Toronto yeah. this morning, it's gorgeous. It, you know, cleared out the skies. We had yep. rain last night. But where I live, it's been, watering's been a full-time job, frankly, and dragging hoses around. I mean, it doesn't yeah. sound like much to stand around and water, but when you're dragging 200 feet of hose every Man. time you're moving yeah, from yeah. one place to another, it's it can be a bit exhausting, but the the yard is coming along quite beautifully, yes. the uh, You know, it's a process. This is my thing with Elliot, right? He just wants it to be done. And I'm like, it'll never be <laughs> yeah. done, honey. It's a process. He's like, oh. He sounds like my kind of guy. It, you truly. Know? <laughs> you know, you and him, just like real gardeners. Well, heart. yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> well, Shirley has had a bit of a back problem, and so much so that I've had to kind of pitch in and help it with the gardening. What? And, yeah, I that's know. That's not like uh, you. I, no, that's not like me at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm out there watering, it, and eat. she even got me doing some planting. Which, How'd that go? You got a little dirty? Yeah, I got my hands dirty and oh, everything. <laughs> and you survived? <laughs> and, and, you know, I did. And I the survived. flowers, yeah. how do they look? Yeah. They're looking great. There you go. No, no. See, and you have learned I stuff. Showed you, I showed you a picture of a new addition to our place. Yeah. We got a, a pool, uh, an above-ground pool installed, just now filling it with water. That that takes forever. I was going to say, you we know. just need to get you some blow-up toys yeah. so you can float around on your mermaids and your swans and stuff. That'll be fun. <laughs> oh, that sounds cool. And you're going to have to build some steps, like steps yeah. up and yeah. down. Yeah, I, I can just see you getting in there and not being able out. to get out. <laughs> Help! <laughs> Give me a hand up, would you? Yeah. Oh, what's the time there? Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, it's 10. We're at, okay. We're at the, I guess. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I can't read. Oh, we're at the nine. Okay. Um, so, uh, okay, just things I just want to mention. Yes, yes. For everybody who's listening and is truly watching and loving their gardens, we are two weeks ahead this season. The plants are ahead, so you're gonna you're seeing things flower 
in uh-huh. this time of year, which or setting flower buds, which we normally wouldn't see for a couple of weeks. Right. Also, yeah. remember the insects are two weeks ahead, so they're. Again, we're seeing things earlier, yeah. but again, their life cycles will carry on. So, And that's all connected to that warm weather we had in April. So that we had that spell of warmth, and mm-hmm. that just pushed everything. So just know that, you know, if you're a journaler and you keep track of stuff, or you're a photo person who keeps track, expect, the, expect things to be right. happening out of your regular sort of sink that you might expect. Okay, and right. the gypsy moths. Uh, the gypsy we'll... moths, well, well, let's get to the gypsy moths. It's a long, it's not long, but let's get to the diatribe when we get to question number one that was emailed. Oh, yes. Um, it was actually emailed way back on June 5th. Okay, but we do have folks, I think, calling in right now. Uh, see if the... Uh, <laughs> I'm forgetting my job. I know. It. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, you never even gave the numbers. Oh, well, now let me do that oh, But we well, do have lots of callers. Yeah, well, in, when we burn through those... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we. By golly, yeah, we. <laughs> the royal we. Uh, all righty. Uh, in Toronto, if you'd like to get a hold of Charlie and ask her a question, okay, here's the number, 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. If you happen to be a first-time caller, please let Carlos know, and you're going to get the wings, wings the garden wings, and a um, little mantra, Call early, call often. One question per call. If you can uh, kind of adhere to that, it would be most appreciated. Okay? <laughs> Patrolman and Proctor. We're going to be uh, back to uh, go to Stratford. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Nice. Uh, trod the boards there. And Judy is on the line. We'll be talking to Judy and seeing what's on her mind this morning as we continue with The Garden Show. And, of course, starring our very own Charlie Dobbin. Okay, back in a moment. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. There we are. Okay, we're uh, set to roll along here on The Garden Show. First on the line, Judy from Stratford. Good morning, Judy. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How, how are you guys? Great. Excellent. Welcome. Okay. Okay, my question is about thistles. Mm. My daughter got a place last year, and she's been working on thistles. Mm. And she's put Roundup on them. She's dug them out. She's put vinegar on them. She's put salt. And it's the same (laughs) thing all over again this year. She's working and getting nowhere. They're thriving. What can she do for them? Okay, so uh, avoid salt because salt is going to poison the soil for the future. Roundup, the challenge with Roundup, um, get your daughter, is when she buys Roundup, is she buying the ready-to-use in the spray bottle, or is she buying the concentrate? The ready-to-use. Okay. Suggest to her that she buys the concentrate, and she does not mix with water. Oh, okay. Use it full strength. Oh, right. And okay. remember, with any weeds, but tr- this is true of thistles as well, the younger the weed, so the, you know, the more recently sprouted fr- above ground, the higher your chance of being effective at killing them. And I, I'm not a huge fan of, of, of Roundup, but thistles, you'll never dig them out. Salt will destroy your soil and not touch the thistles. And, and you do need a chemical that will translocate through the thistles down to the roots and down to thousands of other thistles that are underground as wow. we speak. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So she uses it full strength. Yeah, that's what I would do. But very, be very careful because it will kill everything it touches, right? Yeah, there's yeah. nothing else around it. Like, cause she has nothing else around it. That's why she's trying to get rid of them before anything yeah, else gets there. Exactly. Good idea. Yeah, so just, and don't do it on a windy day. And also, on a hot, sunny day at high noon, your chemical is even more effective at okay, killing. Okay, so today's great. Yeah. 
Okay. I, can I tell you about, I called you a few weeks ago about my clivia transplanting it, and you told me how to do it? Yeah. When we took it out of the pot, I told you the leaves were all dying around the outside around the pot. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not one, there was not a speck of dirt in it. Oh, wow. Been in there that long. Wow. <laughs> so it, it needed Pure transplanted, roots. and it's doing great. So thank oh, you so much. I bet. Much. I bet you it's oh, just heaved a, heaved a sigh of relief when you did that. <laughs> that's what I thought, too. I thought, oh, no, I sure was mean to this poor plant. <laughs> <laughs> another well, another testimonial here on the Garden Show. Stuff. Thanks, Judy. Thanks well, thank you. You have back. a good day. You All right. Too. Thank you very much, love. Uh, I have an email here from uh, William Laverty. It says, hi, Charlie. On the show uh, last week, it would be week four, actually, I believe you told someone to do uh, something with duct tape. I, uh, stop. To stop the uh, gypsy moth from eating the leaves on trees. A uh, lady made reference today about it, but you didn't explain what to do. Could you please let me know? All right. Thanks for your, your note there, Bill. And <clears throat> timely, mm-hmm. you know, been very timely. The whole gypsy moth issue is a huge deal right across the province. Uh, and I'm sure it's also affecting our neighbors to the south. Gypsy moths population has been off the charts this year. Now, remember, we call it a gypsy moth, but the baby gypsy moth is a little caterpillar. So it was a little black caterpillar, was, weeks ago. And um, we talked about it a few weeks ago using BT, which is a bacteria that you spray onto your plants. And, you know, it's maple trees, oak trees, birch trees, the ones that they really love to eat the leaves Mm -hmm. of, these little, little caterpillars. So we would spray the BT, make the leaves poisonous, the little larva would come along and eat, and they would die. Many, of course, some of the leaves got missed, some didn't get sprayed, some of the larva flew in from elsewhere, because they, they um, spin little parachutes, right? They make a little parachute out of a Clever silk, little, little thread. Yeah. yeah, and then they just float to another location. So <clears throat> more have floated in, perhaps, to your yards, mm-hmm. and they're growing. As they got bigger and bigger, like now they're one inch or bigger, long, the BT doesn't work anymore. So don't, if you see those larvae on your, your plants, don't worry about trying to use BT. You can, soap will work actually, mm-hmm. if you can contact the insect, the, the safer soap or soap, insecticidal soap will kill. You, they still look mostly black. They do have a yellow head. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to discern that, that those are gypsy moths. Plus you're going to see holes in the leaves of your trees. You're going to look and sure enough, there they are chewing your leaves. Pick them off, drown them. At this point, or what Bill's really asking about is what about this duct tape? Or yeah, you know? so duct tape is there's a product called Tangle Foot. Tangle Foot is a sticky tape that you wrap around the trunks of the trees, and the larvae uh. go up and down. See, they they do a lot of their eating at night, so they're going to look for shelter during the day. So they'll go down to the earth during the day because they're big now oh, and they can travel great clever. distances. Oh. But they get stuck in the Tangle Foot and they die. Yeah. <sighs> yes. Uh, but the thing about tangle Tanglefoot is you can also get other things stuck in there that you don't want. Like birds can get stuck, um, you mm. know, other yeah. beneficial insects. So the burlap is where you make a skirt. So you get a piece of burlap. You know, it might be about a meter wide and then long enough to wrap around the trunk of your tree. Okay. And you attach it at the top. And again, you can just use duct tape to make a, an attachment. And it hangs as a little skirt on the trunk of your tree. It looks very silly, but it does work. Because again, the larvae hide under the skirt. Nice shady spot yeah, yeah. during the day or sort of evening. And what you do, of course, is sort of afternoon, late afternoon, go out with a empty bucket with some water and a drop of soap or a drop of oil. Lift the skirt 
dirt and just start plopping oh, them into the bucket because there'll clever. be hundreds, if not thousands, hiding under the skirt. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's the work of having to do that, the mechanical removal yeah. on your part, wear gloves, most people do, but, um, but yeah, you, you don't need to squish uh, and there's no spraying required. So you're trapping drowning them. and trapping oh, and right. killing, but you mm-hmm. have to empty the trap in order to be effective. Otherwise, they'll just come out and keep eating. <laughs> so that's always the challenge with any of those traps. Wow, uh, that is, is clever. And, and yeah. know in your heart of hearts this won't go on forever. This is only going to go on for another week or two. Right. Then the gypsy moths will, we call it pupate. So they're going to turn into little cocoons and then they won't be eating at all. Then they're going to emerge as moths. Mm-hmm. That's why they're called gypsy moths. And then they're going to fly around and lay eggs and we'll get into that in a few weeks. Okay. All right. All right. We have to take a, our first break in the show uh, and we'll come back to say hi to Sandra in the Topico right here on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, all righty, Charlie, on this beautiful Saturday morning, let's uh, check in with Sandra in Etobicoke. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Yes, it is a beautiful morning. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie, my question is rather similar to the earlier one you had. I have uh, Russian sage. Mm-hmm. It's uh, at least 20 years old, and it's now starting to pop up runners in my flower beds. It is in a flower bed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's coming up in the lawn. It's coming up in other beds. Mm-hmm. I just have to take it out. And do you want to remove all of it? I want to remove all of it because I I think what is happening, it started last year just with a little bit. Mm. This year it's much more. Um, It's by a driveway. It's actually my neighbor's driveway and it's trying to break through the asphalt. Um, So I have to get it out of there. So Russian sage is the common name for the a plant we traditionally refer to as Porovskia. It is, uh, it's a lovely plant. Yes. It, it won't be like thistles, though. The thing about thistles is the the underground growth of a thistle can go, believe it or not, for kilometers. Like, no, seriously far. Porovskia, you should be able to dig out. However, if it means digging into your lawn and digging into the driveway and digging everywhere, maybe you're right. Maybe you just don't want to deal with it that way. But, te- you know, and by the by law, Roundup is only to be used on noxious weeds, which, of course, thistles fit, as does poison ivy, etc. Porovskia, or Russian sage, technically isn't a noxious weed, as far as I know. But, um, you know, it it would work the same way. You would spray the leaves of the Russian sage, particularly on a hot, sunny day, I'm being very careful to not spray the things you love. The way Roundup works is it, you have to have green growth on the plant. And so it gets absorbed through the leaves, travels through the stems, down to the root. So it's going to take more than one spray, but it should ultimately kill all of those little uh, roots, little um, suckers that are coming up. And again, you'll carefully spray wherever you see a sucker. So don't break them off. Don't cut them off. Don't prune them off if you're planning to use a chemical. Okay. Now, what do I do about the main plant? Same thing. You're gonna, well, I would cut... Cut it down and try and dig it out, or...? Mm, you could, if it's been there for 20-odd years. I guess it depends on how much energy you have for digging it out, but... It's pretty big. Yeah, I mean, it, if, maybe you could get some help digging it out, because ultimately you're going to have to dig it out. But you could use the chemical to kill it first, and then dig it out. 
But, okay. But you spray leaves. Roundup it does nothing when you spray bark. So you know it's got to be leaves. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I'd almost at this time of year, since we're still in an active growing thing, is cut the Russian sage right back. Wait a week or two till there's all kinds of new little green growth on it, and then spray it. Right, because the leaves are so small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're all over the map. It's probably got stems all over the place. Place, so, yes. So a real hard pruning back. It should respond by putting out a bunch of new growth, and then you're in a position to spray that little pin cushion as it gets covered okay, in Okay, then wait for the new growth. That, yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. I will try that. Thank uh, you so much. Good luck. Okay. Thanks for uh, that question, Sandra. Yeah. Um, I have an email here from Marin in Thornhill. Says, uh, oh, and she sent you photos of our climbing hydrangea last summer. Mm-hmm. She says, my husband decided to power wash it with a soap <laughs> solution, but as you can see, the result's disastrous. <clears throat> so this year so far, it appears fine. In the future, what should we do if they reappear? I love that term, power wash. Okay, power washing plants. Does that seem like a good idea to anybody? No. Not really, I don't suppose. I was going to say that, and you you're don't even love plants, but would you power wash them? I don't think so. No, no. Now, she might just be, oh, she might be exaggerating, but let's just assume she's not. And so the answer is never, ever power wash plants. Obviously, they're fragile, and power washing is for bricks and, and fences and walls and that sort of thing. So what would you do? Well, what I'm looking at uh, in these photographs, it looks like she might have some scale insects on her her uh, mm-hmm. climbing hydrangea. So prune, prune and dispose of any, because it's hard to kill scale, a prune and dispose where you see the insects, um, rubbing alcohol, Q-tip individually, one insect at a time with a Q-tip and rubbing alcohol. You can rub them off. If it is, scale insects are an insect that coats themselves with a shell. So it's like a half oyster shell. Uh, So under that little shell is a tiny insect, and it's sucking the life out of the plant. So you can, with a pair of gloves or whatever, or even just your thumbnail, flip them off. Exactly. But, of course, you're trying to flip and squish. You don't want them to drop to the ground, and they'll climb back up again. Uh, Horticultural oil is often effective on scale insects. So 20 mils of horticultural oil in a liter of water. Um, Do that in the evening. Of course, do it when there's no rain for 24 hours. And you would do that late late June, early July, and again in the dormant season. So, uh, and you may have to spray two weeks, uh, two times, Mm -hmm. two weeks apart. Scale, when they're young, don't have the the coating, the the shell. When they get a little older, they, they grow that shell. So if you can catch them in late June, Two weeks later, again, mm-hmm. early July, spray again. The nymphs should die with the horticultural oil, timing being everything. So just go look closely. See what you've got going on there. If it isn't scale, send me more pictures and we can talk. But that's what it looked like in the photo. Okay. Um, looking at uh, the monitor, I see we've got a first-time caller online. Hey, that's for <laughs> Arthur listening in from Mississauga. Good morning, Arthur. Uh, good morning, Charlie. Uh, yes. Um, Welcome. My my question is, I have a rose bush, and it's, uh, oh, the aroma is just fabulous. And I'm afraid if I ever lose it, I'll never find another one. Is there any way that I can get a cutting and start a new one? Okay, so how, is it a very old rose bush that was there when you moved in kind of thing? No, it's about uh, 12, 12 to 15 years old. So you bought it and planted it? Yes, I bought it. And do you remember what it's called or where you bought it from? Oh, no, not that long ago. (laughs) (laughs) So if you look at that rose bush, 
it's likely, but not 100%, but likely that it has been budded onto the roots of a different rose. So you follow down the stems down to ground level, and when you planted it, the graft or the bud union is, is like a knobby, swollen part of the stem. Yes. If you see that, and that, that confirms that this is a budded rose, then that means, yeah, you could take cuttings, but the problem is you won't, those cuttings are unlikely to survive on their own roots. You know what I would do? Do you, Can you take a photograph? Uh, yes, I, yes, I can. All right, so what you would do is take some photos, take photos of the buds, take a photo of the bloom, uh, take photo even of just kind of the leaves or the whole plant. You can forward them to me if you like, and I would forward them to the Canadian Rose Society, or you could do the same thing. There are some rosarians out there that are very clever and could probably identify that rose for you and might have recommendations on how to ensure that it survives oh, the wow. next 20 or 50 years. What a great service that would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, the Canadian Rose Society has some amazing people. Oh. Uh, so that's, that's who I'd reach out to because I, I couldn't tell you uh, over the radio what that rose is, but I can tell you that to try and grow it from cuttings yourself is possible, but to have them really last in the long term might not work if you aren't able to graft them onto a tough, vigorous rootstock. Okay, and the, the picture, where do I send them to? So you, uh, well, Frank actually, will give you, get a pencil. Yep, have you got a, a piece of paper and pencil there? Yes. Okay, send it to Charlie's email, and it is c.dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. Okay? O- okay. That's great. All so right. send Thanks, that along, Arthur. and uh, Charlie, I'm sure, will be very happy to help you out there. Oh, thank you very much. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for calling. Don't be thank a stranger. Yeah, that's great, yeah. First-time caller. That's uh, great. No. Uh, we no, aim to please. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we go you, to, um, no, no length is too far for us to sort <laughs> out the problems of our listeners. We aim to please. Would you aim to please? Uh, <laughs> that's a sign that I've seen in several washrooms. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> I digress. Yes, you do. Uh, do I've I never ever? seen that in a washroom, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, Bill Dow sends a note to you. Says, so, Hi, Charlie. I'm a long-time listener to your program. Thank you for all your advice. I live in Kitchener with Mennonite farms all around us. A friend has had a load of mulch delivered to his garden from a farmer who makes it up from ground-up trees and horse and cow manure. Looks like nice cover, but do you think it could be problematic? Hmm, Bill Dow. And my short and quick answer to that is absolutely not. It sounds like a gardener's Perfect. dream. Yeah, yeah. Right? We love organic matter, so you're getting organic matter through your manure, your compost mm-hmm. manure, plus your wood chips. Um, I would say get as much of it as you can. And if you, you don't currently have mulch on the surface of your gardens, two to four inches is a good idea over the surface of all your garden beds. And, boy, I've seen a real difference at my place. I just have been putting down mulch in the last month or so. Yeah. And the moisture is being retained in the soil so much longer with the mulch in place than it was with no mulch. Because I'm in a, uh, you know, hurricane force winds and full sun because there's absolutely no shade at my place. So suddenly, when I talk about full-time job watering, the water, I don't have to water as much once I'm getting that mulch on. So I'm very happy. Thank goodness for that. You you betcha. Vanessa in Brampton is on the line with a question. Good morning, Vanessa. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Uh, yesterday, I went out to prune some suckers off my honeysuckle tree, not bush, which was a mistake in the first place, um, and found 
orange-looking ladybugs covering the leaves, Um, not on any of the other bushes, flowers in the garden. Mm -hmm. They don't seem to be eating the leaves. Nope. And they seem to be leaving dried shell bodies. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Sorry to laugh, but you know what? Honeysuckle is very, very susceptible to aphids. Aphids suck from the juice from plants. Well, think about it. Honeysuckle. Guess what honeysuckle tastes like? Honey. So aphids love honeysuckle. Whoops, I'm just getting my glasses organized here. And um, the, so honeysuckle is very susceptible to aphid infestation. Aphids suck juices from the newest tips of the honeysuckle, vines, mm-hmm. shrubs, trees, as the case may be. So to find a whole bunch of ladybug beetles tells you that they have all arrived to eat the aphids. Because that's what they eat. So aphids eat your honeysuckle, um, and ladybug beetles will eat the aphids. So be happy. Okay. No, they they really are not the red ladybugs. They're more an orange one. Yeah, well, there is the Asian ladybug beetle that was imported by the Canadian people who thought it was a good idea. Uh, they, uh, they will still eat lots of aphids, though. So don't worry. They're still, they, they are voracious aphid eaters. So they, I don't have to worry about my bush. No, they're just eating things that they want to eat. That's right. And the things they're eating are things that are hurting your bush. So be happy. Yeah. All and, right. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> so, because so it was very scary. It was covered. <laughs> I know, but, it, but it's, you're seeing um, you know, magic or nature in action. You're doing a National yeah. Geographic documentary right now, <laughs> As we speak, oh, wonderful! Somebody eating somebody eating somebody. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, Vanessa. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Sounds like Charlie calling. made your day there. <laughs> All right, beautiful Saturday morning. Thank you for joining us here on the Garden Show, Frank and Charlie. And a note from Ingrid Uberhagen. Uh, she says, "Hi guys, I bought this tiny cactus about a year ago. A very small pot. It's got flat kind of leaves." But a month ago, it grew and grew and grew, and like it's on steroids. Is now a good time to give it a bigger home? And what type of a soil? I, I don't want to listen to it. She says she. No, I don't want to hurt it. I don't want to. I'm sorry. You don't want to hurt, hurt it exactly. Yeah. Listen to you every Saturday. Yeah. Thanks for Ingrid. the. Yeah. Thanks, Ingrid. Thanks for the email. Uh, okay. So it, it almost sounds like she sent us a photograph, which she didn't. But Jen, just off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. If her cactus suddenly got real happy and started to grow and grow like on steroids, it probably was connected to the kind of weather we were having. Hot, dry, sunny conditions is typically what a cactus Mm -hmm. loves. So yes, indeed, you'll know it's time to repot any of your potted plants. Pick it up, and if you see roots through the drainage hole, you know it's time to get a bigger pot. Now, don't go dramatically bigger. If it's in a four-inch pot now, go to a six or maximum eight-inch pot. None of this, you know, four-inch to 16-inch overnight because that doesn't work. So one step up or two maximum if it's a super vigorous plant. And what kind of soil? Well, you can, at your local garden center, find cactus soil. It's exactly the same as any of the potting mixes that we see out there, but it's going to have extra drainage. So it's going to have some grit in there. It probably has some sand in there. It might have some gravel in there, which is what you want. Any of your cacti, your succulents, they want excellent drainage. And the other, I guess, thing I often do with this kind of plant is I will use a terracotta pot instead of plastic. Because remember the terracotta, you get the evaporation of, mm-hmm. of moisture from the soil surface, but also from the sides of the pots. Whereas a plastic pot, you, you're holding the moisture for longer. And 
people typically will kill a cactus with too much love and too much water. So a terracotta pot will help you, on, if mm-hmm. you are an overwatering kind of person, to not have the plant die from too much water. Okay. Um, John from Mississauga on the line. Good morning, John. Good morning, John. First of all, I want to wish you a happy Father's Day or Grandfather's Day like mine. <laughs> and you too. Thank you. <laughs> Um, Charlie, uh, I think I sent you the email b- before, but uh, I will tell you what I'm doing, and hopefully will uh, guide me to it. During the winter, I always save the banana peel and the coffee grind. Mm-hmm. And what I did this week, I um, I mixed banana peel, coffee grind, and Epsom salt. Okay. And I have maybe, well, I don't know, maybe uh, and a gallon uh, container, maybe have half of that. Is it a good idea to spread it under the flower pot and a flower garden and, and the garden? How much Epsom salt did you put in there? Um, maybe two handfuls. Okay. Yeah, because Epsom Salt Council of Canada, which is EpsomSaltCouncil.org okay. website, will tell you uh, exactly how much Epsom salt to add to your different plants. Oh, okay. Yeah, so remember what Epsom salt is. It's magnesium sulfate. Mm-hmm. So both magnesium and sulfur are required nutrients for plants. So yeah. you, you're not going wrong giving plants Epsom salts, but you want to be careful that you're not giving too much. Oh, too much, okay. Yeah, and of course, coffee and banana peels, as they break down, are going to release nutrients and organic material, so that's all positive. Mm-hmm. So my only question to you would be, you've got, you know, so these are coffee grounds and banana peels from last winter or from this past week? Are they decomposed yet or not? Oh, oh no, I, I grind them. I, uh, what I do, what I do, Charlie, I, um, I, I save them. I leave them, I leave them in the garage, whatever. And then, and then we, we sort of put them in the oven and, and then I grind them uh, like powder. Wow. The banana peel. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I do. I've been doing Well, I've been doing it, you know. But, um, yeah, we do that. Like, And then I save it during the winter mm-hmm. once I grind it and keep doing it. And, um, and especially I do it around roses, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Yes, they probably love I, it. I don't know if, if anybody is aware of that. But, uh, you know, one time somebody at work told me to do that. And I've been doing it. Every, but i never done this mixture, sort mm-hmm. of. That's mm-hmm. why my question yeah. is. Yeah. Well, it's hard, it, to, you know, it's hard to know the chemical analysis without knowing the chemical analysis. But the things you're choosing, mm-hmm. bananas, coffee, grinds, and Epsom salts, are all positive for plants. Just mm-hmm. because, My only issue when we sort of make up our homemade mixtures or... Or an example would be um, taking ashes out of the fireplace, mm-hmm. you know, putting them on the garden. Mm-hmm. Everything in moderation. Just don't yeah. don't overdo it. Roses yeah. are known as heavy feeders, and they would love a mixture like that. Um, so I okay, can understand so I'll, I'll that you... put them around the roses then more yeah. than the garden. Yeah. Because I tell you, the gardener right now, is, I just came this morning, and I, I put all the protection here, the tomatoes, blah, 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 you yeah. know. and, yeah. and, and but, but the roses, I'm telling you, uh, Charlie, I've never had... More roses than this year. It's wow. been a great year. I mean, it's Hot, been, dry. I tell you, it's been. And, and again, my fruit taste is fantastic, too. Yeah. So, but, but like I said, um, so you told me something about Epsom salt. They can tell you how much yeah. you put? Yep, yeah. EpsomSaltCouncil.org. Okay, 
EpsomSalsCouncil.org. Oh, yeah, uh, all the recipes down. for when your horse is lame, you're, you know, you've got blisters on your toes, and your roses need food, Epsom salts. There you go. Solves everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you, John. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks, Thank you, Frank. Right. Have a good weekend. You, you too. Bet. Happy you Father's Day. <laughs> and uh, heads up to Maureen Boyce out there, sent in a little email that uh, I'll have Charlie address in moments here on The Garden Show. Thank you for tuning our way here on Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Alrighty, Charlie, you know, uh, the roses have really come in for some very complimentary notes this morning <laughs> in the show. And another one here from Maureen Boyce, who sent you a picture of beautiful rose that uh, she took a shot of and uh, sent to you. But here's the, here's the note she sends. On the weekend, I planted some annuals. Usually I fertilize anything newly planted. However, a friend said it was too hot to fertilize her. Uh, uh, to fertilize, rather. I use miracle Grow powder that I put in my large watering can. I heard I should water the soil with plain water first and not use a fertilizer mix in dry, dry soil. Advice from our gardening guru would be appreciated. And a big hello to the sous chef, Frank. Yes, thank you Thanks, very much, Maureen. Maureen. Yeah. You know what, Maureen, great question. And you're absolutely correct. What you heard is correct. You should water the soil with plain water first and not use a fertilizer mix on dry soil. Absolutely. Oh. So you're right about, you know, the blue stuff mixed up in the watering mm-hmm. can as per the right directions. Don't over-fertilize. But never, because remember, fertilizer is a salt. So if you've got dry soil and you put salty water onto a dry soil, you can actually do root damage. So that's why we make sure the soil is moist before we add the fertilized water. And make sure everything you plant is well-drained so you can water mm-hmm. first and then fertilize after that and the drainage will occur. Okay. Just notice we have a couple of lines open here Mm -hmm. for the Garden Show for uh, folks who want to call in. In Toronto, the number 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. But first, let's go to Nick in Toronto, somewhere, maybe just around the corner. Hi, good morning, Nick. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. My question is, uh, you know the prickly pear? Mm-hmm. I have it already for four or five years. I used to have one many years ago, and I, and I was able to produce it, mm-hmm. to make it produce a prickly pear. But now i got a hard time with this one. Do you have any suggestion like uh, some kind of pearlize or uh, special soil, Charlotte? Well, so when you, you're trying to propagate it, or you're just trying to grow it bigger? No, I'm trying to make the fruit. Oh, interesting. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, because prickly pear is a hardy plant. It does grow outside in Ontario. Uh, but, of course, it's going to need some very specific uh, cactus-like environments. So it's going to need a well-drained soil, full sun. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and, and so in order to get it to fruit, hmm... The flesh is edible, but not usually very sweet, unlike some other species. Uh, so that, but again, you've grown it. But the, this 
prickly pear wants to be on an open, very dry, what they call a calcareous rock or thin soil. So I guess yeah, depending yeah. on where you live in Toronto, thin so I mean, you might have to actually make it make a proper bed for it. So a calcareous soil is a soil that's got a lot of limestone in it. So I have it, I have it on my farm, mm-hmm. uh, and I prepare the ground. I put a lot of uh, concrete sand, uh, a couple of rocks. Mm-hmm. But I remember back home, uh, we had uh, this stone that nothing would grow there, but the prickly pear, they would uh, <laughs> flourish on that. It's probably yeah. limestone or gypsum or something like that. So it was making a super alkali situation, and the prickly pear coped, but many other plants didn't. So it's, you know, it's probably that the rock back home was something like that that just set up an environment that the prickly pear... But this should be a good year mm-hmm. because of the, we've had a lo- we're ahead of schedule in our growing season. Lots of heat, lots of dry. And so given mm-hmm. the kind of season we're having, you, you're in good shape to potentially get some flowers and some fruit. Um, in, so terms of fertil- <laughs> yeah. in terms of fertilizing, I would just use a flowering plant fertilizer. Nothing specific. It's just a 15 Thirty fifteen type fertilizer. Okay, not an even number. An even number you would not suggest. N- not if you're trying to support fruiting and you've got to get flowering and fruiting. So, uh, t- yeah, the even number or the balanced fertilizer, like a 20-20-20, will not be as supportive of flower production as a flowering I plant see, fertilizer I will. See. Okay. So you would say the last um, two number higher? Middle number higher. So fi- 15, 30, 15 is a classic. So it's a one to one ratio. Higher phosphorus. Right. So 15, 30, 15. 15. If you can yeah. find that or something like that. Yeah. It's all about oh, ratios. I will find. Okay. I will find. Perfect. Okay. Anyway, thank you very much, Charlie. You let us know and how Frank. that. Yeah. Yes. Report back, please, Nick. I will. I will, Charlie. Yes, indeed. That was good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Take care. All right. And happy Father's Day, if that's appropriate. <laughs> you, you never know. You don't. Um, it's true. Yeah. Oh, oh uh, we we are up to our next break here. Oh, yes. But our I last want to thank break. you. Uh, you know, I'm in league with a lot of uh, listeners from notes we read and so forth that they always learn something. And usually I can pick off at least one new word that I've never heard before, <laughs> calcareous. Uh, wow, that's that's pretty impressive yeah, word. It's a kind of soil. I'm going to have to, okay. Calcium. Lime, limestone uh, base. That's where I live. I live in the land of calcareous Lovely. soil. Okay, <laughs> we're, we're coming back in just a couple of moments. And uh, heads up to Anne Bray, who sent it a question. Uh, we'll have Charlie deal with that momentarily here on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Charlie, interesting question coming in from Anne Bray. She says, Hi, Charlie. We're mystified why our Japanese maple is turning color. Mm-hmm. I just noticed this today. Usually you see this in the fall. Mind you, it's so pretty. Yeah. Anne from Dundas with that question. Yeah, no, it's a good question, Anne. I'm sure other people are having the same question. I was at my brother's place in East mm-hmm. York last night. His Japanese maple, the new growth, is showing fall color. Uh, that's an environmental, that's a response. That The plant is responding to the environment. So what's going on in the environment? 
hot, hot weather, dry. Now, my brother's place is irrigated, so I don't know why mm-hmm. this plant would be so stressed, but his Japanese maple is in too much shade. So that might be what's stressing it. So just look and say, what is causing my, ja- like, what's the stress on my Japanese maple? Is it getting sufficient water? Is it getting sufficient light? And don't panic. It, it'll be fine. It's, it's only June. <laughs> so, okay. you know, yeah. can, new growth will continue to come, and we just don't know how the summer will turn out. Yeah. But in the meantime, you enjoy the colors. It's, it, the me might even see some early defoliation if the stress continues on these plants. Okay. On the line, Elaine in Markham. Good morning, Elaine. Welcome to the show. Oh, good morning to two of you. Good morning. Yes. Thank you. Now, my my question is about my orchid. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hello? Yes, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. Oh, okay. It has these long, long, they're like feelers. Those are roots, actually, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, I have five on one plant, Whoa. and they're nine and ten inches long. Okay, that is a happy plant, believe it or not. That oh. plant is sending out those... Because remember how how the orchids evolved over the last, you know, multi-millions of years. They are not terrestrial plants. They don't live with their roots in the ground. Uh-huh. Orchids live up in the trees. They float around, little seeds drop, and they, they, they grow in little tiny nooks and crannies where there's a tiny bit of soil and high humidity. And those roots are, believe it or not, just very natural and normal in their normal environment for absorbing um, moisture from the air and for absorbing some nutrient from the air. So do not cut them off. They should be kind of a silvery green color, mm-hmm. and the, uh-huh. tip, the tips should be shiny green. And, mm-hmm. and I know you might find them unattractive, but they are very important to the health of the plant. I think they're going to take over my living room. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, I think you're taking very good care of the orchid, and that's why you're getting those long roots. Okay. okay. Thank you so much. That's you're great, welcome. Elaine. Thanks for joining us uh, on this Saturday morning. Uh, I love a it. quick question from Joan Love, who right. made you chocolates. I know. Uh, so she lucky. has her brother's place in the valley, and he has a 10-year-old wisteria that needs to be addressed as the wooden support has rotted, wants mm-hmm. to know how much he can cut it back. Right. So that is absolutely consistent with what I always say about wisteria. They are brutes. You never plant a wisteria on anything that isn't very solid. Right. Because sure enough, the support rots. And you know what? With the support gone, the wisteria would probably continue to stand up. Bottom line, in Ontario, wisteria should be pruned. It should be pruned quite hard. But we normally do that twice a year. First in July or August. Mm -hmm. And then in um, the middle of winter, January, February, during the summer pruning, the July, August one coming up, that involves shortening the long, whippy tendrils that the fast-growing climber flings out and and grows like crazy. So you want to cut them back to five or six leaves in July or August. Uh, Otherwise, um, I don't know what to say. I mean, you could... You could do that cutting early, but to do some really hard cutting back, I mean, you, you, wisterias yeah. are pretty hard to kill, so mm-hmm. you could do whatever you're cutting you need, pruning you need to do to get that structure built up again or eliminate the wisterias, what I would do. Okay. <laughs> They're beautiful, yeah. but they just really need the right spot. Right. How much time do we have I left I know, here? I'm my, messing you up. My I, monitor is... we got a whole three, what, three minutes, two oh, minutes. Oh, my goodness me. Well, okay. Uh, you had another email that... Uh, From Betty's Wicker. 
Okay, you might read that if you can. I, I haven't got that copy. Well, um, you know what? I'm going to resend it to you so we oh. can talk about it. It's it's a question about bougainvillea, and I'm sure Betty's listening. She'll catch it next week. Next week? week? Oh, yeah, right. we'll be That's back good. here. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, this has been a lot of fun being in oh, the studio. Gad, it's been nice. Uh, and, I'll of course, you. when it comes to breakfast, neither of us can remember who's who's on Well, uh, and, and on I felt guilty, so I uh, volunteered to pay for breakfast this morning. And I can't decide whether I'm doing pheasant under glass or steak and eggs. Yeah. It's going to be mm. one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So, no, really, all kidding aside, so good to see you. And, and you're looking terrific. Thank you. My hair is Boy. very long. <laughs> but I'm going for and, a new and look. That shade of, there are hints of gray, more, more than a hint. silver. But it's uh, beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. People it's pay a lot of money. There. For that color. Yeah, I know, exactly. I know. Exactly. I'm, I'm like, that is my natural color. <laughs> that, I stopped uh, doing all those highlights a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah. Yeah. You, you've got a special uh, weekend uh, coming up I or do. tomorrow. I do. I'm picking up my children. I'm yep. taking them home with me to the county. Both of our kids who haven't been home to the county since Christmas. It is Elliot's, well, obviously Father's Day on Sunday. And then it's his 70th birthday on Tuesday. Oh, wow. So um, because I'm running a bit of a camp, I'm a bit of a camp camp counselor at heart. I've got the activities planned for every day and we have a bit of rain, which is great yeah. in the schedule and all of us have work to do. So we'll get our work done. We'll get out blading and biking and put my son on the mower and let him mow and put my daughter on uh, bocce ball and let her play. And so it hopefully will be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking, looking forward. forward actually to a wonderful day tomorrow. Uh, both Kelly and uh, Toby, my two sons, and their families are coming out. And my daughter Natasha driving in from Sarnia. Sarnia, that's a drive. Yeah, about a three-hour drive to spend the afternoon tomorrow with us. And we've got all sorts of uh, good stuff planned, you know, with... Food in mind. Mm. <laughs> well, and then there's that swimming pool that might, oh, might well. have more than six inches of water by tomorrow. Maybe. Might but, have 12. Uh, yeah. <laughs> might we'll, be chilly, we'll though. Won't be heated yet. <laughs> no, no. no. Unfortunately. Well, you look after Shirley. Give her a big hug from me Will and the do. family. And obviously, happy Father's Day to everyone who's listening. Thank you for all your great calls. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.